following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Morning, John 14, <clears throat> and verse 1, John 14, and verse 1. <clears throat> John 14 and verse 1. Here the Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Again, I'd like to begin to or begin to teach from this chapter, this subject, on this subject, when our hearts are troubled, let us continue to believe God. When our hearts are troubled, let us continue to believe God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for thy word, and Father, for those who've been able to come to be with us. Lord, this morning, I pray God your blessing on those who could not be with us. I pray you'd help them to gather with us uh, next week, especially as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, Lord, bless the time we spend, though, this morning, and Lord, draw, help us to draw near to Thee, and Father, to be encouraged by Thee, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Again, here in our text, Christ is speaking of the fact that He knew their hearts were troubled. You know, let's never forget this, God knows our hearts, and that's a good thing. Now, He knows when He sees the evil, but He also sees the good. He knows what's going on in our hearts, even before we talk to Him about what's troubling us. And even the Lord Jesus Christ knows that they're troubled. He says he, he actually uh, directs uh, their attention to that. He said, let not your heart uh, be troubled. It could very well have been troubled because of what uh, he had said in uh, chapter 13 and verse 36. Peter, uh, Simon Peter uh, saith him, Lord, whither goest thou? And Jesus answered him, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now but thou shalt follow me afterwards. So there was some concern in the hearts of the disciples about where the Lord was going and what was going to happen, what have you. Even though all along the way the Lord had been speaking to them about the things that were going to happen shortly, uh, the Lord here is trying to prepare them, if you will, for his going. As a matter of fact, in chapters uh, 14 through 16, the Lord Jesus Christ will spend much time in the preparation and preparing them for his going is going to teach us some important truths that will help us and would help them. Now the word troubled we find in our text means that that is they were disturbed, agitated, afflicted by the knowledge that they were uh, to lose their friend, their dear friend, be left alone to meet persecutions, trials, and without wealth, friends, and honor. So they found they, they knew that things were coming Difficult times were coming, even as the days in which we live can be difficult times. Uh, So it is, and so it was uh, for these apostles. As a matter of fact, the Lord had spoken to them about uh, trials and tribulations that they would encounter. And and, uh, Psalm 42 and verse 5, look with me there. Psalm 42 and uh, verse 5. Psalm 42 And uh, verse 5, here the Bible says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Here 
the psalmist is speaking of the, the fact that at times people get disquieted, get discouraged, distracted, or what have you. And it's important that at times of trouble and difficulty that we don't turn away from the Lord and our, and our faith in God, but to continue to believe in the Lord. He says, looking back to our text in John 14, look back there to John 14 and 1 again. <clears throat> As we begin to consider the subject, when our hearts are troubled, let us continue to believe God. First of all, we need to find that our faith is in the person of God. Here, he, uh, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. We know that Jesus is God in the flesh, but he's focusing their attention on not losing their faith, but rather turning their faith, if you will, toward the Lord. Look with me to Mark 11. Mark 11 and 22. Mark 11 and 22. <clears throat> Here the disciples are following Christ, and Christ has just uh, had earlier pronounced a curse upon a tree. <clears throat> and in verse 20, in the, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remember, saith unto him, Master, Behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Jesus answering, saith unto him, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you that whatsoever, that whatsoever shall, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but be, shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall what, have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things ye desire when ye pray, Believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Now, he's not saying that any time they felt like it, they could go out and say uh, to the mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. No. He's talking about, if you will, the obstacles that we face in life, sometimes the obstacles that bring us to a place of trouble. If it were necessary for a mountain to literally be removed, God could do that. They could ask God, and God could do that. But he's, he's speaking to them sometimes of the things that would trouble them, the obstacles that they would face. And he says in verse 22, have faith in God. Folks, our faith in God should never wane, although at times that it does. At times of trouble, uh, when our, our faith is tested, it begins to wane. And the Lord is trying to encourage his disciples in uh, John 14 and even in this place to have uh, faith, continuing faith in God. Look at Second Chronicles 20. Second Chronicles 20 this morning. <clears throat> Second Chronicles 20. And we'll begin in verse 15. <clears throat> now Israel is, uh, Jerusalem, if you will, is being uh, besieged. And it says here in verse 15 of Second Chronicles 20, And he said, Hearken, y'all, <clears throat> hearken, uh, ye all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king of Jehoshaphat, the, the Lord has come upon this man, this uh, man Jehaziel, he's prophesying, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow uh, go, uh, go, go ye down against them, behold they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. And he says, ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, 
and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with, uh, will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head and his face to, to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord and the Levites of the children of Israel, of the Kohathites, and of the children of the Korhites, stood up to praise the Lord, God of Israel, with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he had appointed singers unto the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army uh, to say, and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab uh, and Mount Seir, and were come against Judah and were smitten. You know, folks, the Lord had promised something to them, but Jehoshaphat to encourage his people in the battle, a battle that they really did not fight in, he says to them <clears throat> again, um, <clears throat> Believe in verse 20, believe in the Lord your God, and so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And the word established means set, fixed, firmly, founded, or, or if you will, grounded uh, upon uh, the truth of the Lord. Look with me to John 20. John 20, they had gotten a message from God and were encouraged by Jehoshaphat to believe in the Lord God. In, in again, John 10. John 10, and looking at verse 26, John 10, looking at verse 26. <clears throat> the Bible says, But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one, and come what may, no matter what trouble, what, no matter what difficulty that they were going to face, they were in the safest place they could possibly be, in the hand and care of Almighty God, having been given eternal life. And though men slay me, you know, uh, I think it was Job said, though men slay me and, and my body, the worms take away, he said, yeah, he said I'll rejoice in, in the Lord. He'll, he said, I'll see the Lord one day. Look at me to 1 John 1, excuse me, 1 John 5 and verse 1. 1 John 5 and verse 1. You know, we live in difficult times right now. In some senses, very uncertain times. You hear people talking about it all the time. I hear people talking about the economy, about jobs, about world affairs, about COVID. You know, they're talking about another surge and all kinds of crazy nonsense. And yet, folks, God hasn't died. Amen. And our faith is not misplaced to have faith in God. In 1 John 5 and 1, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Meaning that we have our faith in the, the Son of God, the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. 
For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that over, overcometh the world, even our faith. You know, <clears throat> the, uh, the Apostle John wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and folks, he knew what it was to deal with this world in a very specific and personal way when they poured out persecution against him and all of the other apostles, all of them, but the apostle John, the original apostles, short of Judas, were, were persecuted unto the death. And many of them died some pretty terrible forms of death. They tried to kill the apostle John. But in the midst of it all, all those men and all those who've come after him have been overcomers because of their faith, if you will, in the person of God. And then secondly, looking back uh, to our text in uh, John 14 and 1. John 14 and 1. <clears throat> Let's see the second thing we're talking about. When our hearts are troubled, let us continue to believe God. We've talked about our faith in the person of God. Secondly, in verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Secondly, our faith in the preparation of God. Our faith in the preparation of God. You know, folks, the Lord is very precise in what he does. And he takes time, a lot of time, to prepare things to be done and to be done right. You know, maybe we could learn a lesson from the Lord that when we seek to do something, we take time to prepare to do it so that we can do our best. The Bible says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, amen? But folks, God, God is concerned that we be prepared uh, to do things and God is making preparation uh, for his people yeah, first of all, it involves uh, the, uh, the price for our redemption. If you will look with me to John 19, there is a price for the preparation. In John 19, he is going home by the way of the cross. There's a price to be paid for us to go to heaven. There's a price to be paid for us to go to heaven. In John 19 and 28, the Bible says in John 19, looking at verse 28, <clears throat> And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar. Boy, doesn't that sound great? Vinegar. And, and they, filled, uh, they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon his and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Folks, his... He is fulfilling, if you will, the purchase price for our redemption and our, and our home in heaven. You know, <clears throat> whenever, there, whenever you buy something, there is a purchase price involved. Even so, for us to go to heaven, there was a price to be paid in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And if you will, looking at verses 19 and 20, 1 Corinthians 6. Verses 19 and 20, the Bible says here, What? Know ye not that your, your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, and you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It's, you know, folks, God isn't just paying the price uh, so that we can go to heaven and then live like we want to on the way to heaven. 
folks in salvation, we're saying, you know what? I don't want to keep going my way. I want to go God's way. Amen. And God's way is right. God's way is perfect. And there's a price to be paid. God paid the price to purchase us from the slavery of sin, to purchase us unto himself as his children, his friends, his servants before him. If you will, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And we'll begin in verse 12. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 12. Here the Bible says that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ and whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance under the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Now, folks, the price that was paid is the glorious gospel of Christ, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We need to put our faith, our trust in what Christ did, the price that was paid on Calvary so that we uh, will find ourselves in heaven one day. And, and the Lord says, listen, on top of that, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, which is the earnest uh, of our inheritance, the redemption, the purchase, possession, the praise of his glory. Folks, until God comes to redeem this body from the earth in the rapture, <clears throat> God has given, if you will, his spirit within us. It is the down payment. You know, if you go to purchase a house or a building, uh, you have to put down a down payment that says, even as we did when we purchased the church building, we put a down payment. When they accept the down payment, they can't go back and it effectively it is ours. And uh, in, the Lord, in the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ paid the price of our redemption with his precious blood. And he says, you're mine. And as proof of that, here's the down payment, the spirit of God that dwells within us. What a blessing, folks, that if you will, God has prepared the price of our redemption, secured it, if you will, for us in 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. 1 Peter 1 and beginning in verse 18. When we get troubled and we worry to our, we worry and say, well, you know, what's going to, what's the future hold for us? Let's not forget, even as our Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us, you know what? I'm going to prepare a place for you. And folks, he's made the preparation in the purchase of, of uh, our salvation, our redemption through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. In 1 Peter 1 and 18, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, meaning God had planned this, prepared this before, before he created anything. See, God knows the end from the beginning. God knew what would happen after he created everything. He knew what a man would do, and God planned, prepared to redeem man that he loves from sin through the sacrifice of his son and his shed blood. He says here, who <clears throat> was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. God prepared, if you will, for us to be able to go to heaven. 
to have eternal life by the sacrifice of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, when we put our faith in God, we're putting it in the God, the Son, the Savior of the world. We're accepting that price on our behalf. Amen? We're receiving that by faith. Secondly, as we talk about preparation, not only was it <clears throat> a, uh, the price of our redemption, but it involves the permanence of our accommodations. If you will, look me to John 14. John 14, the permanence of our accommodations. In John 14 again, and verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And the place that Chloe is going to get is a small mansion. But it'll be, the, how did that get there? It must be the revised, the revised Dan version, amen. <clears throat> just, just seeing if she was awake. It involves the permanence of our accommodations. And now he says, in my father's house are many mansions. You know, the, this phrase, in my father's house are many mansions, speaks of heaven as our permanent dwelling place, as opposed to this world and our home in it is temporary. You know, <clears throat> almost 23 years ago, we purchased our farm, the first actual home home we lived in. Our first home for 14, first 14 years was a vehicle. We were like living in the homeless district of Grand Forks in a vehicle. Really, preacher? Not exactly. It was still a mobile home. It was a trailer. It was a, a tin can with a cardboard lining. We lived, managed to live there for 14 years. Were we glad to leave? Amen. We bought our first home. And what a blessing it's been to have a home. Amen. What a blessing it is when you purchase your my mobile home a couple years before I got married. It was a good thing because we lived cheaply. We lived differently. We lived cheaply. <laughs> but uh, what a blessing it was to purchase our first real home. But folks, all of this is temporary. You know, sometimes we forget, sometimes we forget this world is not our home. We sing the song, we're just passing through. Amen? And it's not wrong to own property. As a matter of fact, many have owned property in this world, but there's no permanency in this world or in the property. If you will, uh, Luke 16, Luke 16, there are only two permanent dwelling places for man. And we make the choice as to which one we will be in. In Luke 16 and 19, Luke 16 and 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. Now he was living in the, what was it, the, uh, uh, not the Hilton, amen. Was it the doghouse? <coughs> And desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Now, you know what? There's a permanency in both of these homes. 
The one, the one was more concerned about this life and what was going on in this life and putting down roots in this life with little to no attention and preparation for eternity. Now, now the beggar had little or nothing, except maybe a dog, a friend of a dog, hanging out with the dogs. But when he died, he found a very permanent home in heaven. And you know, the, no matter, you know, sometimes we, we live in this world and we go through some pretty nasty things, difficult times, difficult things. We don't have sometimes what we feel like we want and all of this. And yet one day, one day, we'll have a permanent home in a place called heaven, a place where there's comfort, rest, joy, peace, etc. If you will, John 5 and 24. John 5 and 24. <clears throat> and it's all a matter of choice and faith. In John 5 and 24... John 5 and 24, Verily, verily, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. The choice is ours. Where are we going to put our faith? Are we going to put our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the God of the Bible, the God that has provided a better place for us, amen, a place for you? If you will, Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, had some important things to say. In verse 1 of Colossians 3, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things in the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Folks, you know what? Life, our life in this world should be living for Christ. Not living for how much money we can make. Not, not, let me say this. We need jobs, okay? You need to be a worker. You need to be, a, a, as a man, you need to work. You need to provide for your family and all of that. But we need to be careful. I was talking to someone recently who talked about the fact that, uh, they had a broken home because the husband was a workaholic. And all he did was live to work and to make money. Now, on the one hand, that's noble because he took care of his family financially, but he did not take care of a, one of the more important relationships in his life, and that was with his wife. And, folks, the most important relationship we have in this world is first with our Lord Jesus Christ and then with our families and what have you. But, you know... We cannot, listen, he's saying, let's focus not on the here and now, but on things to come. Let's live for what's coming, not for what is here and now. Not that we're not to focus on souls, I'm not saying that. Not that we're to reach out, not that we shouldn't be reaching out, but folks, just living to make money and pay the bills and get along in this world till you go to heaven is not living for Christ. It's not living for Christ. We need to be, have an eternal view, uh, a view of heaven that we're living for. If you will, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 13. The Bible says, These all died in faith, <clears throat> not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed 
that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned, meaning coming out from the, the uh, old life, the old uh, places that we uh, made our life in. But he says, but now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. You know, folks, what a blessing. The Lord has, pre- has made preparation, and we need to believe God, have faith in God's preparation for us, his, the purchase for our redemption, if you will, uh, the permanency of our accommodations that he's making for us. 2 Peter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3. And beginning in verse 9, 2 Peter chapter 3, and beginning in verse 9, <clears throat> the Bible says here, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, with, uh, <clears throat> the elements uh, shall, be, uh, shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, are, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. There's going to come a point in, in time after, I believe, after the Lord has judged this world, he's, we've, he's come and ruled and reigned, judged the world, that he's going to destroy the world by fire. He will no longer destroy the world by a flood. He's, he's given a promise of that in the rainbow. It's disgusting to me uh, that the, the immoral crowd has now taken up the emblem of the rainbow to somehow as a, as a banner for their immorality. Folks, it was never intended by God for that purpose. It was intended to remind us of his promise that he would not destroy the world again because with a flood, but he will destroy the world one day in the end with fire. This world now that we live in is not a permanent place. God is not intending that it be here forever. After he destroys it, he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, the Bible says, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And lastly, if you look back with me to John 14, John 14, <clears throat> when we are troubled about many things, trials and difficulties, let us not leave off our faith in God and the person of God and the preparations of God. And lastly, our faith in the promise of God. Looking John 14 and 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there ye may be also. What a blessing that in Titus 1 and 2, the Bible says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God is promising something here. He said, I'm going to prepare a place, and I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to get you. Let's not put down two deeper roots. If you will, look with me to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. <clears throat> Looking at verse 6, 2 Corinthians 5, looking at verse 6. <clears throat> Here Paul writing about earlier, he's talking about the death of this tabernacle, this body we live in. He says in verse 6, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, 
We are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That's why Paul could say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And he was talking about a struggle he had with continuing to serve and, and be here for others or his desire to go home and be with the Lord. But Paul is writing of his confidence in the place that God has for him and the promise of God that was made to him. In Psalm 23, look with me there. Psalm 23 and verse 1. <clears throat> Psalm 23 and verse 1. Bible says here, the Lord is my shepherd. And you know, folks, what a blessing. This psalm, I, I really do not believe it was intended to be for use primarily for funerals, and yet it's often the case. This tells us about our Lord, his care for us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And folks, God's promise to come and get us is going to be fulfilled either in our death or in his second coming. Because he says here, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comforteth me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely good, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know what? Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and some of us may face that valley someday, but in promise God, that God made to us that I'm going to prepare a place for you, folks, there's a place for us already in heaven. But if it be that we go home to be with the Lord through the valley of the shadow of death, folks, be sure of this, the Lord will come and conduct us over. Amen? He will come and conduct us through that valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 73 and 23. Psalm 73 and 23. You know, the older we get, the closer we could very well be uh, to when the Lord comes to take us home, either in, in death or even as we're looking around us at life, he is, it's evident that he is coming in Psalm 73 and 23. Psalm 73 and 23, the Bible says, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none on earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion Forever. The, promises of, the promise of God is he said, I've got a place for you, and I'm coming to get you. 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13. And you know, the, the world is kind of troubled right now over many things. Some are even worried about, I've even heard some maybe halfway jokingly saying, well, you know, the end of the world's coming. Now, they may be joking outwardly, but I'm not sure if there's really a joke going on inside. Sometimes I, I, I wonder if they don't speak those things because of fear that troubles them in their hearts about the fact that, you know, the end is coming. Look, look if you will, that's going to, you know, when, when the Lord comes, we've got over a thousand years before we go to a new heaven and a new earth. 
but uh, we'll be with the Lord in First Corinthians, or excuse me, First Thessalonians four and thirteen. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that your sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain in the coming of the Lord shall not prevail, prevent them which are asleep. <clears throat> For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now there's comfort for God's people. Here the Lord Jesus Christ knows his disciples are troubled because they know he is going to go away and I think they have a little glimpse of the fact that he's going home by the way of the cross. And when, Christ, when they come to take Christ, he, he says, let these go their way. And they went their way. And he was, he, listen, he went to the cross of Calvary initially by himself. Now, there were others later on that crowded around that came to view his death. But you know, what, a, what a terrible time it was in some senses for them. And what difficult times would follow in their life with persecution and all those other kinds of things. But the Lord is saying, listen, let not your heart be troubled. When you're troubled because of difficulties and trials that seem to feel like they're going to overwhelm you. Listen, let's not leave off our faith in God. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.